This is Tim Crisp, and you're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast with Brandon Kelly. Brandon, what's going on, Bubba? How are you? You know, I'm terrific, Tim. Thanks for asking, and how are you? I am excited. I was up late last night, and I was listening to a record called O Calcutta, and I did the same thing that I did when I heard it in 2006. I had a fucking great time. So the most fun record that I think any of your bands have done. Well, that's really nice to hear. I, I really like this one. It's got a very special place in my heart. And um, I'm glad that it holds up um, after all these years, you know. It was fun to make, fun to record. It's fun to play live. And, uh, you know, all, all those things considered, it's got to be one of the best for that we did, that we've done. And it's going to be fun to talk about on our show, Road to the Skeleton Coast, with Tim Crisp featuring Brendan Kelly. Hi. (laughs) We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. We have all sorts of fun conversations over there. We uh, have an addendum for this episode where we discuss the epigraph to this record, O Calcutta, and we've had all sorts of conversations with old friends of mine like brian fallon uh who we forgot about last week i think in the uh Mm. effort to mention everybody we uh we forgot to mention brian fallon i don't think we did but i know i i do remember that we forgot somebody entirely and i I was really kicking myself about it but now i can't remember who it was again uh so whatever we also we had we had garrett from uh red city radio on Monday, it was fantastic. Uh, we saw him brushing his teeth, and uh, he took a sh- he had his shirt off for mm-hmm. part of it, which was fantastic. Smoked you know, enough get... weed to kill a small child. Yo, that guy <laughs> smoked a lot of weed on a Monday early afternoon. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, no, I mean he's uh, he he li- he lives the dream, man, um, for sure. Uh, Oh, it's really bugging me who it was that we missed because I remembered it the other night and I was like, God damn it. But Well, yeah. we got a lot of show here. Maybe it'll pop up when it pops into your head. You'll say, Oh, that's who it was. But uh maybe if you want to go and I don't, do a I little don't think we said Matt uh, Allison. Oh, we didn't say Matt Allison. Well, there it is. Matt mm. Allison who produced this record. Um I have to say Probably the best production that Matt Allison has ever done. Really? That's, that's, uh, I think this record sounds great. Neil disagrees. Neil wants it to be remastered. He feels that there's, uh, problems with it that are like total, like, when he's, when he talks about it, he'll start talking about like, like he'll say some numbers and then a letter, you know, like he'll be like, the 65K is, crazy you know like shit like that and i'm just like oh i yeah yes it is uh but um you know i I trust it i trust that he's probably correct about that but um i like how this record sounds a lot i actually think that our um 
a podcast namesake record, maybe production wise, is superior. You know, that is a really good point. That record sounds fucking awesome as well um, and totally unique to the uh, the canon and, and also like Matt's discography. Yeah. Um, I think if I'm if I'm ranking Matt's best records sound wise, um, I would put both of those on there. And I would also put, I think, uh, on the impossible past by the Menzingers on there as well. Yeah. Um, and, and then I don't know, I'm sure I'm forgetting plenty of great stuff, but in terms of just like pure sonics, um, those are the ones that jump out to me. This one, I mean, we'll get into this a lot when we talk about this record, but it wallops the listener and it, it it works so well too with just like a lot of the way a lot of the ways that these songs kind of operate i think in a very like disorienting way not only do you have these these rhythms that are like kind of jarring but i mean there's like seven layers of guitars on them the vocals sound fucking awesome yeah it's um it's fun you know the uh so this was, as as we mentioned last week, this was recorded on two-inch tape, um, which will, uh, you know, it gives it like a more um, analog kind of quality. But we did record the vocals on Pro Tools because it because two-inch tape takes forever because mm-hmm. you have to rewind it and, you know, like go back and all that kind of stuff. Whereas with Pro Tools, as you know, you can just kind of like... You could just do Hit whatever you want, bar. fucking yeah. move everything around, and you know it just becomes much, much quicker and easier. So, the uh, the the production on the instrumentation on this record took a long, long time. I mean, I I am probably exaggerating this by quite a bit, but it's my memory that it was like. We were in the studio like every day for three months. Wow! Like, and again, that's probably grossly inaccurate. Mm-hmm. You know, it might have been fuck five weeks. It might have been. I mean, I don't think it was as short as three weeks. But, um, but the, my memory of it was it was like a whole summer, like spring into summer, that we were just every night working on this fucking thing. I know that we had a number for the apathy budget. Do you remember what the budget was for recording this? Mm, no, I don't. Um, I want to say our total advance was maybe 50 grand all in, but that would have included everything, mm-hmm. including like money for us to live while we did this and, you know, any equipment we needed to buy. That, mm-hmm. that, did, that did not all go into a madhouse buying tape (laughs) yeah um i really don't remember i I really don't remember how much how much we actually spent on the record one of the things that i I was thinking a lot about last night was like this is a record that i think for bands that are in your position being on the level of uh fat records or epitaph um and working in the punk genre um outside of like the heavier side of this nothing that's like none of your peers did anything that was this intense and i don't think 
I think that there were a lot of bands that were um, on a lower level who were making, um, you know, music that feels as like wild and as sloppy, but still as tight as this is. But the I think the money that went into this really, really shows just because it's so well layered it's so chaotic you can tell that there's a lot of time spent just on like creating a feeling that is really special yeah i mean you know and like the recording process we did do a lot of things particularly when it came to like the guitars and stuff like that and like treating like the little like candy um that like you know you sort of sprinkle on the top in order to really make the vibe pop um like when we were doing like pick slides and stuff we're mm-hmm. doing like double reverse pick slides with with, with butter knives though you know <laughs> really just, yeah because it just sounded so much more badass and then um like i mean th- there's a thing in it cut it up that's i mean probably it's best in the track by track we get to it but like uh-huh. the it was a. Uh, like we detuned the guitar mm-hmm. and had a tuner plugged in and it was me, Matt and Neil on the three tuning pegs. And so Chris hits it and it's like, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, and it, like, we're all just like tuning up. We're like, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know? And then like, so like we were doing a lot of like really crazy shit and that's, probably a lot of what I remember um, as being this very, very long process because we were just like, we were given this like leeway to just do whatever we could fucking think of, you Mm -hmm. know? And so like, you know, again, I'm sure I'm exaggerating it greatly, but it seemed like every night we go in there and sometimes it would be like, yep. All right. Tonight's like detuning fucking crazy tuner tricks and butter knives and right. that'll be that'll be today because that's going to take a very long time right you know? yeah because it's not just like okay cool like you got the you got the scratch track all right cool like uh we'll just punch you in for that crazy thing like you got to set everything up right like you got you to get the tone you got to get just everything put together that's sounds like a half day yeah, and it's like, and also you kind of, in a small way, you kind of have to invent how to do it, you know, because it's not mm-hmm. like, there, there's not like a standard way to mic a butter knife sliding across guitar strings or like, you know, like how to mm-hmm. like retune a guitar like in the middle of it being played, you know, that, yeah. that kind of stuff is like, it's, I, and again, it's not like it's unbelievably visionary or anything and but it just was not like it wasn't plug and play is like that's what i'm saying yeah totally i'm sure you do that a few times and then it's like oh okay cool this um needs a little bit more like low end for it to work right yeah 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 it's more 65k or whatever uh <laughs> well as a as a audio engineer myself you know i i understand things like low end and high end and you know mid end so yeah yeah um yeah 
Let's I, talk I, about what? I, I don't understand those things. So there you go. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know what I'm putting together. Um, the title. Yes. Oh, Calcutta. Um, there's, uh, there's a rumor out there that this is not necessarily a reference to the musical. It's a reference to Apuna Hasapima Pentalons. No, 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 no. Or deny that. It has nothing to do with Apu. There are two things about O Calcutta, um, and they both kind of came across my desk at the same time. Um, one was that my uncle, who was a, a, a gay man in Manhattan in the early eighties, he he died of AIDS, like really in the first like wave of the oh, plague wow. and everything like that. Yeah. But he was, um, he was in a touring, um, production of Oh Calcutta, mm-hmm. um, which I was like, wow, it's a fucking badass name. What was the play? And it's like, it's a bunch of dicks and like guys dressed as Pharaohs with their dicks out, like kind of singing <laughs> really cheesy songs. And it's like one of the most terribly reviewed fucking musicals of all time and i was like oh that's awesome i love that you know and then um right around the same time mother Teresa had said and i don't think she said it around this time but it's when i saw the quote mm-hmm. that that was essentially that um in all her time in calcutta you know dealing with some of like the worst poverty and um you know, uh, that she's, that exists in the world. She's never seen anything in Calcutta that compares to Chicago South side. Um, and like those two things kind of came together and I was like, what do you guys think about this? I think it sounds pretty badass. And yeah. I think everybody sat on it for a second cause it's kind of a lot to, <laughs> taken and then um uh and then it was like oh yeah that sounds fucking tough as shit and it's great that nobody really is going to know what it is and it's even better when they find out what it is you know yeah yeah so yeah. i'd seen that mother Teresa uh thing on on wikipedia before um and yeah like what a what a statement yeah i, I mean, mean I guess it sounds like fucked up to say like, oh no, it couldn't be worse than like this foreign country. Um, I I think the idea is that just like where there is so much like fucking you know opulence, like right you know on the magnificent mile here in Chicago or whatever, mm-hmm. and the idea that something could be like squalid, you know, like sub third world conditions just down the road is crazy. Mm-hmm. That being said, I bet you right now there's some dude in Calcutta sitting in a fucking jacuzzi suit, uh, you know, fucking <laughs> eating parrot brains out of a fucking crystal goblet. I mean, you know, it's like there's poverty and wealth everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I mean, you know, it's fucked up because um, as I think about what I just said and I'm like – that sounds extremely like xenophobic and like, uh, you know, but really what I was trying to get at, I was not actually thinking of Indiana Jones, the temple of doom until 
I stopped saying it. Then I went, oh, this kind of sounds like I'm doing that Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom thing where I think that like everybody over there eats, you know, parrot brains and stuff. I was just trying to think of the most uh-huh. opulent possible meal that there was. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, that, that, that was all. Um, I'm sure for what it's worth, there's also a extraordinarily white guy who made all his money in startups uh, right here in America eating parrot brains off of, out of a crystal goblet as well. Um, there you go. I mean, I've seen Eyes Wide Shut, and I feel like that that uh, that le- that you know, shed a little light on the fact that, yes, that probably, something like that uh, is really on a, like, low tier of all the weird shit that happens when you uh, start to make, like, nine figures. Right. Well, I don't know if I'm, if I sound like a total grandpa when I say this, I'm willing to admit I probably do. But have you heard the rumors that Eyes Wide Shut was supposed to be a very different movie and he had to tone it way down because it was really supposed to expose like the sort of like yeah. uh, gross, like, uh, you know, Illuminati pedophilia situation mm-hmm. and that he sort of died right after the movie came out anyway. Um, and <laughs> Heart attack. Yeah, no, he shot himself right in the back of the head. It's weird. <laughs> Well, he shouldn't have been on that grassy knoll. Yeah. Um, well, th- th- yeah, I have heard that. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's a fucking freak. Um, one of my favorite freaks. Um, but, you know, it, it is an interesting thing. I kn- remember when I was like, oh, we're, uh, let's just go right into it. Let's not bullshit like too much. I'm yeah, sorry. Here we but, are. Um, Talk a pizza gate like, over here. <laughs> Well, it's a, a quick opportunity to to address the folks at home. W- this thing is going to take as long as it takes us. We're not going to uh, do um, four hour episodes. Uh, we know that we did those things back when uh, when things were uh, a little bit more weird in terms of quarantine. But we do have uh, the circumstances have changed a little bit. But we're going to take our time. But it's going to take some time. So uh, everybody. Fret not. We'll we'll get there eventually. But this is something that came to my mind, uh, Brendan, and that's the fact that I know that I have a lot of conversations with um, extended family about Chicago. It's like mm-hmm. it's become this. Um, it's. I mean, it's always been a thing um, because you know you go out to fucking rural Pennsylvania and you hang out with your grandparents and. You know, they want to talk to you about the violence. Uh, all their friends want to do is talk to you about the violence. And now it's only kind of getting, I think, worse with uh, the situation that's happened this year. But I guess, like, you're you're from this place. Yes. You've, like, gotten a lot of pride. And I think that, um, you know, with being a native Chicagoan, um, you end up, like, having to stick up for it a lot. No, man. Um, uh, first of all, it would be disingenuous of me to to just say I'm a native Chicagoan. I was born in Missouri. Um, I lived I lived in Missouri until I was a little kid, and then I moved here. But I grew like my formative years of my life have all been here. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but just 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 to be clear, so nobody's out there going, you know, fucking checking the notes and being like this motherfucker. I thought he was from Missouri. Now he's saying he's a native Chicagoan because that you know. That's that's the part of Chicago that really is annoying, but uh, <laughs> the uh, but but it is 
this is a this is a city that's like plagued with like real like stratification um it's got like sort of um ethnic stratification um it, with like physical boundaries and um it's also got economic stratification that um seems to manifest across those same boundaries and that creates a weird thing where um people hear about very like underserved neighborhoods you know the neighborhoods that are in worse shape than any place in Calcutta, according to Mother Teresa, who seems like mm-hmm. she probably knows. And people that are like really desperate often resort to desperate acts, you know? And um mm-hmm. and that's uh and that's a reality here. But there's another reality here that's like a lot of Chicago is extraordinarily safe and extraordinarily nice and I mean, it's not fair, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I would never go so far as to be like, yeah, so fuck it, who cares? But like, um, you know, people are like, you know, you hear like bullets whizzing by your window. I'm like, oh, no, man, I don't hear bullets whizzing by my window. No, I live like way out fucking like on the northwest side, you know, like it's it's very different. But I mean, it's a big city, you know, mm-hmm. somebody fucking broke into my car the other night that happens in my driveway for fuck's sakes mm. um they didn't take anything they just like made a terrible mess they took a bag of like halloween candy actually that was all they took you had halloween candy in your car yeah it was like a little bag and it was just like in the glove box it just been there for a while and uh i mean i don't know if it was actual halloween candy per se but it was like a bunch of fun size snickers and shit i i don't know i didn't put it in there but uh have children uh-huh. you know, yeah um, but i don't know maybe you're it was just trying like a, to get some more to come into your car <laughs> that's right that's right yes yes i mean how are you gonna get kids to come in your car without candy is the question it's true pretty a, a fucking wizard <laughs> um cover is by is it by sergi mm-hmm. phenomenal cover to this record it looks so badass yeah so sergi's um the guitar player from sam i am great band um oh no shit and, yeah i love sam i am yeah and he's um and david holtz who does all our art mm-hmm. was working on this and for whatever fucking reason uh, I don't think I'm talking out of school when I say this. He just kind of cracked under the pressure of it. Hmm. Like, and I don't know if that had to do with like extenuating circumstances that were going on in his life or if it had to do with, you know, he heard the fucking mixes and they were so fucking destructive that he like couldn't, he, he I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the fuck happened, but he, at a certain point he goes, I just can't do this. He's like, I don't have. I don't have any ideas. I don't have anything I like. And then, so he kind of sent the assets to fat and was like, I can't, I can't do it. And, um, they sent out to Sergi and he just came back with this. And at that point it was really kind of the 11th hour. And Mm -hmm. we were like, yeah, this looks badass. That's great. Um, (laughs) you you know, like it, 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 it was, it was not, horribly well thought out i think the 
I had mentioned an idea that we had thought of. I mean, I say I had mentioned because I was, I'm sort of just like the person that talks to, you know, David or the label or mm-hmm. whatever of of the flag with Flappy instead of the stars. And this was this was before that was a thing. Um, What's that, that? Putting something else where the Chicago stars are. Yeah. This was before that was a very common trope. Um, I'm not saying it's we're the first people that ever did it. It's the first time I ever saw it, and I live in fucking Chicago. Uh, I didn't see the fucking Cubs start doing it for years. Not until 2007, after they heard El Calcutta. That's right. God damn it. Um, but I mean, uh, you were recording it at Alice. You were close enough to Wrigley. They were probably like, oh, what are those sounds? We have to find yeah, out. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. But no, it's 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 gone on to become something that's a little bit trite, um, in general, as a sort of a marketing tool to, uh, you know, really just succinctly broadcast that you're a Chicago-based entity. Mm-hmm. It's whatever, like the got milk of Chicago. Yeah, whether it's fucking hot dogs in there or uh, you know the alkaline trio hearts or whatever the fuck you want to <laughs> want to say. Um, but this was the first time I ever saw this shit get done. And, um, so we thought that we had a pretty clever idea with that. And that's like sort of what the big jumping off point was. And then Sergi just put together this like sort of grimy backdrop underneath it that, you Mm -hmm. know, and like with like the sort of the weird like frame, uh, annotation that's like sort of on it you know like i'm, I'm talking like photo frame mm-hmm. you know what i mean like like it's sort of like the weird writing that's like kind of like barely on the side is that yeah s- yeah totally you know? yeah yeah that stuff is like it's just like those those cool little touches but mm-hmm. i mean that all fucking happened that i that's the first pass you know that i know yeah. of like he you know we were like ah david can't do it and then sergey's like well i did this and we we're like yep great looks awesome <laughs> you know so like what kind of stress does that like put on to you is there um i can't remember with any sort of like honesty um it, i'm sure that it was stressful i remember more absorbing david's stress than anything mm-hmm. else um just sort of being like dude it's okay like you know like we you know, in seven years, we're going to put out another album and you will create one of the best covers you've ever made in your life. Uh, you know, don't worry about it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember his stress and I guess that's about it really. Like I, you know, I think our thing was putting together this fucking kick-ass record. You know, and, mm-hmm. and like the cover, I was like, it's, you know, it's going to be fine. It's going to, it'll, it'll, it'll work itself out. And it did. And I mean, Sergi did a fucking great job on it, by the way. Oh yeah, he did. The the back, um, it's got like a kind of cool old Ken Burnsy picture. Um, do you know where that came from? Now that I think I could be mistaken, but I think that. That is a an item that David Holtz found. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I could be wrong. Sergi could have come up with that too. I I feel like I feel like no. I mean, the whole layout is credited to Sergi, so I guess it's probably it's probably in my best interest to say, yep, Sergi did that. Um, I don't I don't really remember for sure where that particular piece of collateral came from. This mustache but, picture is so cute. That is dude. so 2005. So when we did the mustaches, um, what Tim is referring to is on the back cover. There's a promo photo, and we've all drawn mustaches on our own faces with Sharpies. And um, I remember Ben Pierre was around. And we were talking about how fucking shitty promo photos are and how hard they are to do. Mm-hmm. And, like, and how hard it is to do something interesting. And we were just like... Yo, fuck this. Let's just draw sharpies on our sharpie mustaches on, and like, and then we can do exactly what like a very serious band photo would be, but it'll just be awesome because mm-hmm. like because it'll be ridiculous, you know. And it's like it plays into that whole thing that we're all about, you know what I mean? And I don't even remember like whose germ of an idea it was or whatever. But what did end up happening was first of all, Ben was like. Oh my God, this is the best idea for a proto- promo photo ever. None of these pictures are bad. Mm-hmm. Every single one works. Like, you know, that like rules. The, this, this is like the fucking Rosetta Stone of taking band promos, <laughs> you know, like, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so then, um, when we started touring on this record and particularly like a year about in when like the record had really like sort of like saturated, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, into the, the the world and um and this was still at a time when people kind of would buy records a little bit you know mm-hmm. um so so like the physical copy was out there and that we would be giving sharpie mustaches to motherfuckers at the merch table oh. constantly and like we would just draw them on each other and just uh-huh. like we'd just be getting hammered these mustaches and people would be like, give me a mustache. And we'd be like, get over here, lady. You know? <laughs> you know, and we'd be like, yeah, you, you really want us to draw a mustache on you? And she'd be like, yes, I do. And I mean, there's, there's so many pictures of us from this time where we're, we all have mustaches and like, we're hanging out with random people and they've all got mustaches that we drew out, drew on them and stuff. And then I think our tour manager, at the time, I think it was Jordan, and he would definitely go like full beards on people sometimes. Uh, really, really good stuff. I really love that. It's um, it's a little a little moment. He struck some struck some gold. Plus, like getting getting to draw mustaches on on ladies. That's like. You know, that's some that's some rock star stuff. That's why you got into this, right? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we we had heard about signing boobs, and we were like, that's a little bit, you know, not really our style. I mean, huge fan of boobs. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, you know, like signing boobs, it's, they're not a good look, really. But drawing mustaches on people of any and all gender, great. Uh-huh. Never, never goes out of style. Never really is in style either, but that's that's we've talked about that on this podcast, Tim. Um, a lack of being in or out of style is the key to longevity. Yeah, because you're always you're always you you're always evergreen. That's right. All right. Last week you told us that the devil's taken names 
is the last song that you wrote for this record. That's um, correct. Did you know that you needed a first song, or did you finish this and say, first song, side A? Chris and I were on vacation. Mm. I want to say we were in Wisconsin. It's my favorite vacation spot, too. Yeah, it was either Wisconsin or Michigan. And I don't remember what the circumstances were, but I remember we were sitting on like like kind of a bed right by the door to the outside, you mm. know, like like in a like obviously a vacation house, and we were coming up with the track listing, you know? Um, because we were just like geeked and we we're like hammered and I was like, Yeah, I know where to do that. Oh my god, that would be great. We'll put this there and this, you know, and uh-huh. and we got the whole thing done. And this was actually very similar to um to Greatest Story in that we just didn't have an opening track and we were like, Devil's taking names? Like that's that's what's left. Uh-huh. Could that be a first song? It's like so herky jerky and weird. And then we were like, "Oh yeah, with that, dunk, dunk, dunk. that would be cool." Yeah, let's maybe we could do that. Like it, it, it was like, like we didn't know what we had or whatever, you know. Like and, mm-hmm. and, and, and like once we decided that that might have even been when we had just had the demos, mm-hmm. like when you know because and then. We, I, I just remember a lot of high fiving, and uh, <laughs> you know we we're really stoked. But but no, it definitely wasn't written to be the first song uh, on the record. It was written at the end, and I actually kind of thought it was a throwaway track because I thought it was too odd. Um, I didn't know if people would catch on. To, I mean, I never tried that, but I know I don't like it. Is a very weird mm-hmm. lyric. And the yeah. way it's presented is in a very like herky jerky sort of way, um, especially like the first pass through, mm-hmm. and um, and then like the whole like shakes and bad breath thing. It's like it, it's just like it just sounds odd, and it's like I, this has come to define our sound, but or at least the like of the songs that I do where it's uh-huh. like, it's just like really hard. And then it's like, all of a sudden you're like, Nope. Okay. Here, here's this part. And then mm-hmm. it goes, you know, and then it like sort of like stops on a dime and goes to something else, you know? Um, so I was like, yeah, I don't know if this song's going to really make the record. I don't know if it's it shows what I fucking know. Yeah. I, I could see how it like, you know, it comes at the end and it's like, maybe you've, uh, Maybe like lost the plot a little bit, but then turns out that it's no, this is like exactly uh, what we want to like open this thing up. It like represents a lot of what's about to come. Yeah, it, it definitely is like it's in the same like, you know, there's like songwriting like veins that you get into. Mm-hmm. And like, um, I mean, it's. And, it, and it, they're, they they progress through multiple releases right like uh like quinson top your money is porno and snuff films mm-hmm. is fucking um kind of in a weird way uh acker and river um mm. is you know or that's mm-hmm. maybe more in the toast uh vein right um 
but like, like, and then, uh, and that's also Belly of the Whale, right? And like th- those those songs are all like in the same vein, and mm-hmm. this this song was like my last song in the vein of cut it up recover key to the city that I had like really been enjoying when mm-hmm. we were writing this this record. So I thought I'd give it one more try in that sort of spiritual Yeah. That's interesting because um and I think the the ones that you just mentioned were some of the first. Um but you come off of a record that is very much in a vein. I think that there's stuff that like precedes greatest story, but this record seems to be like, it does kind of like turn the page on that a little bit. Like this is a little bit of like a new era, I think for for you. For, for sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, as we talked about last week, um, when I broke my leg, that vein of those specific songs that I'm talking about right now, Cut It Up, Key to the City, Recover, and uh, Devil's Taken Names, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden I could see. Like, that wasn't available to me before that, mm-hmm. you know? And so... That, that that I mean that really changed a lot of things and it like it was just a really like I needed to figure out a way to um make songs that were like angry and driving and aggressive that were not that like doodle bap like fat rec sound fast mm-hmm. songs yeah, you know what yeah, I mean yeah. and it was like you know telephone kind of hinted at that on on with the show I guess you'd call it uh-huh. um on greatest story you know, um, a toast like barely flirts with that, but like coming into this much more sophisticated version of that, that appears on this record was completely unlocked by a confluence of very disparate reasons to be just fucking outrageously mad, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, so yeah. It's like these songs are kind of impatient, right? It's like it's like you don't stick in one part for more than a couple uh repetitions because it's like all right, like done with that. Did that well, did that chord progression twice. Now I'm done. Yeah, well you'll notice this is where I started in my songs eliminating intros and outros mm. and anything more than like one instrumental thing with like a couple of exceptions i mean marge is an exception mm-hmm. are you there margaret um is is an exception to that but uh yeah th- this was where i was like dude i want to conquer the world by bad religion has three guitar solos fucking three choruses two fucking whip ass verses and an outro and it's a minute and 51 seconds. Like, yeah. it, I can, I'm not saying anything that needs to be longer than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, and, and, you know, I, that's not the same for everybody. It's, it's, uh, 
like there's certain things that need to be like meted meted out and like like uh there's a song I don't know if you're familiar with the band Archers of Loaf um Vaguely. But, but they have a song called White Trash Heroes and that song okay. is mm-hmm. long mm-hmm. and the end of it is 2 minutes of just this like mid-rangey guitar harmony thing that's just the melody of the chorus mm-hmm. and it never gets boring and it's after this song that's like already 5 minutes long right and and like, like a coda that, yeah and it needs to take that time that's mm-hmm. but that's not how i write songs and that's not what i excelled at and like when i suddenly looked at you know, I want to conquer the world, and I looked at what my strengths were and what my weaknesses were, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is what I got to do. I got to get in, got to do what I need to do. If I have ten ideas for this fucking song, fuck it, they'll all go in, and then we'll be out." You know, mm-hmm. and, and that, and you know, and actually, that was um, really reflective um, in the art on this record as well. Um, we we decided we were like, let's do it handwritten. Let's fucking let's just put our fucking actual names in there. No more. This is the first time we ever appeared with our real names on a record. Really? Every other Lawrence Arms record, we got pseudonyms. Um, so this is the first time we ever put our real names in there. There's um, no Matt Allison like dudes. Uh, there might be a Matt Allison dude thing, but that. I don't see any on the notes, but yeah, I, I think, I think that I think it was just like recorded by Matt Allison, mm-hmm. um, you know, photos by Ben Pierre. I tried to keep it as minimal as possible, and I didn't like write anything extraneous, which is always something that I have tr- trouble not doing. Except for I did write Tommy Lee is a dickhole at the very bottom. Of the Why did notes. you write that? Tommy Lee is a shit bag. Is that what it says? Shit bag? I thought it said dickhole. Yeah, it's oh, a sh- shit bag. Huh. Well, see, that's the fallacy of the human memory for you, folks. Um, maybe none of this is true. Um, but uh, I mean, I think he is both things. <coughs> really, he really is. Um, I don't know. He was just like he was just enjoying a level of like unimpeachable popularity at the very moment that I was writing this. Uh-huh. Um, like where it was like he had. You know, his dick had just been fucking seen driving a boat, and he, uh, like, Motley Crue was getting back together, and my friend Scott took me to a Motley Crue show, and he was doing this, like, titty cam situation um, from the stage, and then uh-huh. this woman didn't want to show her tits, and he was like, everybody make fun of her, and and I, I laughed. I was like, I can't deal with yeah. this. Like, mm-hmm. like and, and, and so, like, but then everybody was like, you know, like, all my friends uh female friends in particular talking about just like how like oh tommy lee he's so hot i don't care and i was just like fuck this guy you know (laughs) that was it it's just like it was just like a little like tossed off thing but it, it i just wanted a little bit of the uh right side of history to be present in the liner notes that's all i love um a lot of the things that you do in these liner notes to kind of, um, you know, work with the 
the fact that you are writing these all out, how you just have like arrows at the choruses or underlying words that get like repeated again. It's it's a very nice touch. Um, and, and I think anybody that's ever seen, you know, a post of uh, Lawrence Arms set lists uh, recognize your hand, handwriting as being a very good script for this. Have to yeah, say. Yeah, well, you know, and um, I so I do every song that's Chris's lyrics, that's his handwriting. Um, oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, looking closer, that distinction's there, sure. We do have we do have similar handwriting. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we fucking there was a time when having cool handwriting was like a thing that we cultivated. I mean, it was art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like it was like the words the words you write down they they can look cool. They you know and like uh, um, I my handwriting is now atrocious, but. Um, but it, it, you don't it have comes... your you don't have your uh, your reading specs. That's right, that's right. But uh, but you know, it comes from a time when like we were trying to, for lack of a better word, like like aesthetize everything. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like where yeah. everything could could be art. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I mean, like we would sit around and be like, look at this A, look at this S. You know, like stuff like that. And then like we would never like get into those like very like overwrought um, sort of uh, styles of script when it came to just writing stuff down. But it just like bled into our regular handwriting, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, totally to the point where it's like it's just really distinctive, at least, you know, if. I do. I do every note for this show by hand because I just like enjoy the process. And yeah, yeah. Like I got a, I got a T. I got a lowercase T on here that'll fucking knock your socks off. <laughs> Love that lowercase teaser. Lowercase teaser. Good letter, man. Um, um, yeah. So you start this fucking song off with pinch harmonics, which is so funny. I can't think of. Uh, I can't think of a song that starts off like this, let alone a record that starts off with do 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 do. That's what that is, right? Pinch harmonics. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, um, I mean, well, it's it's a bass, so I don't think it's pinch harmonic. It's just straight up harmonics mm-hmm. um, on the fifth fret. But uh, yeah, that um, I don't really remember how that came about. I feel like I feel like what it was was I was just counting it off. Uh huh. To, to start like very naturally in the practice space and that's how I started counting it off and then it just evolved into the song that was like fu- function over form mm-hmm. um, more than anything else but yeah now that you mention it it is a fucking hilarious way to start a song um, particularly a song that's like as pummeling as this one is you know it just sounds like it's going to be like something like sweet and interesting and then it's like yeah and it's it's like if it was sticks it would be a dead giveaway. And I think it would be cool if it just started, but yeah, there's that like in and of itself, like sets up the, uh, I think the nature of this entire record is just like, so you think one thing's coming and then you get something different. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. Definitely. That's cooler than I was in time. <laughs> I just, I was just trying to count out the song, man. 
You... Well, I mean, uh, there's uh, there's something something that ha- that happens, you know, when you when you fall in love with a piece of art, where it's just like everything feels like either deliberate or just perfect. Well, so. the th- the thing is, and and I think that there's something really to be said for that, which is that like uh you know much like we've talked about with like Gordon Gano from the Violent Femmes how he's just like trying to write like Chuck Berry songs but mm-hmm. he's so personally fucked up that they're all about like throwing a baby down the well or like taking too many drugs you know or whatever um this was just the best idea we had you know so that's like one of like the most natural um reasons to enjoy this i think that there is like is like mm-hmm. that this was your idea and yeah, like my answer would be like, yeah, no, that was I thought that was a normal idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, and, yeah totally. and like, and like, I think that that makes it better to me, to be honest. Yeah, totally. If it was something that you like put uh, a lot of thought into, it loses a little bit of just the natural <laughs> character of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are you laughing at? No, I was just thinking if there's something we put too much thought into. It probably wouldn't be the Lawrence Arms at all, but. Uh, but we are we are on a deep dive podcast where apparently we put a lot of thought into everything. So I, it's really hard to reconcile those two things. What do you expect me to do? I can't go outside. No, hey, listen. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so you use a lot of these jagged rhythms, like the ones that start this song off. Um, and then we go back into them in the, in the chorus. Um, but the verse, it's like, it's such a cool scene. Like we talk, we talk so much about like, oh, redness in the West. It's like crazy. The the world that you kind of took us into there, but then you like read these lyrics and it's like, damn, that's, uh, that's some weird shit going on. It's like a, like a rumble, but also like a, like a weird, like, uh, you know, like courting. Um, feels like there's a lot of broken bottles. Um, feels very dark and dirty, but also like something lovely in all of it. Yeah, I I think this is the best attempt at like a broken love song. You know, I mean that's sort of what this is about. I this is just about like disaster human beings trying to come it's not as good at all as uh no children but i think the vibe is similar <laughs> um by the mountain goats um mm-hmm. you know you and that's yeah and i, I, I think we both die yeah I, I think that that was sort of the intentionality it was just like this like this idea of just like broken love that like never really breaks into like any sort of resolution that can just keep Mm -hmm. going on, you know, like that. And like, and like sort of that whole, like, I don't know the, there's, there's also a part of it that's about the, the self-assuredness of ignorance, um, which, Mm. you know, like, can maybe pre- prevent you from progressing in, in in any sort of like real emotional or meaningful way, 
you know, I've never tried that, but I know I don't like it is a very stupid thing to say generally. Uh-huh. Um, although, I mean, like there's plenty of things that I could put into that category, you know, like I've never tried like eating a piece of human shit that I find on the ground, but I know I would not enjoy doing it. Um, so like there, there's, there's definitely, it's not supposed to be judgmental in that regard, but, uh, huh. but it's also, I don't know, sort of like, I think there's a little, little, little dig at like Midwest nice in that, <laughs> you know, in just that and, line. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because cause, I mean, really, the thing is, that line by itself is very innocuous, mm-hmm. as I just sort of explained. But the next line changes the meaning of the first one, right? Maybe I do, but I'm just too weak to fight it. Mm-hmm. it like, it all of a sudden, you don't know that you don't like it. You you know you do like it yeah you just have like some sort of like random moral objection to Uh whatever it it is you know and it is like it is this like song of courtship essentially Uh um and uh so and i mean you know and and that that metaphor can be extrapolated out to mean fucking you know pervy sex or it can mean drugs or it can mean you know, moving across the country or whatever the fuck it is. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not it's not really supposed to be terribly specific. It's supposed to be more mm-hmm. um, open for interpretation. Well, it's it's a funny placement, I think. Following, uh, you know, I've got these shakes and bad breath. Uh, it's especially um, with the song that comes next. It's like. Okay, cocaine, um, which I think is a it's a funny um, thing to bring up in like the context that, of what you were just saying. It's like there are there, and this is like it's an interesting part of like being an addict is uh, is that you you really learn that like the the drugs that you're not supposed to do the okay drugs like it's all the same. It's all the fucking same. Um, I think there there are a couple that are like much less healthy um, and can uh, cause a lot more damage. Um, but you know the like like oh like you know drawing the line um, at at a certain drug. It's it's all fucking relative, and it's all it's all like silly to think that like yeah I haven't done that. Like I would never do that. Like I'm okay over right. here. Totally, totally, and yeah, I, I mean, I think you're you're getting to one of like the sort of more um, ethereal points of of yeah that lyric, and it, yeah, it's just like no, no, yeah, but but I, like I, I would never, I would never try crack, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. very comfortable like pounding an eight ball of cocaine which is much more sophisticated or whatever but like um uh you know people fuck themselves up being addicted to the gym yeah (laughs) yeah you know like it it it, it's like there's no there's no difference in any of it like yes you're right some stuff is way more unhealthy i'm not trying to sit here and be like oh you know like 
hey, listen, some people are addicted to the gym. Mm-hmm. So basically, doing a little bit of heroin is like going to the gym. Uh, it, it's not really, um, a, it's not really a fair um, comparison. But uh, but yeah, it's like yeah, there's just like a holier than thou sentiment. I think that's being attacked by this song. So like. One of the things that I really, really love about the way this song starts and with the context that we gained from last week and I think over the course of this whole podcast is the three of you are all together here. I really, really like the way all three of you are coming in on that same rhythm, like Neil's hitting spots like in between, but it's very dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. Seems Yeah, that was... Um... Chris McCoggan was like, when this record starts, it should be everything firing all at once. And actually, this is my one regret about this record, is that he does not double the line, shall we dance? Mm. Um, And, like, that was our intent, and it just got away from us. And it, it was like he said it overtly. He goes, whatever the first song is, we should come in singing together. Everything should happen together. And I was like absolutely 100% and then we didn't do it and I like I honestly don't remember why and it just bugs the shit out of me every time I hear this fucking song Hmm. it's like that's wrong that's he's supposed to be in there singing that line um and and I don't fucking know you know what it's like it I thought that I said Tommy Lee was a dickhole, and apparently I said he's a shitbag. So, like, you know, my memory is terrible, but uh, uh, maybe I – no, there's no way I told him not to fucking sing it. Like, I just would, you know, I would take the blame for it if, you know, if for no other reason than to be like, yep, I fucked up. But I think it just, like, is one of those things that, like, slipped through. It, it's a – yeah, that sucks. It sucks. Well, but that's I have a whole. Only, that's. Go ahead. Hmm. No, I just I think that's I, maybe I, I, the old. <laughs> that's that's my biggest regret about this record, to be honest. That breakdown that feels like very Beastie Boys, especially with uh, like that that's... weird guitar chord that Chris plays. I guess there's a couple. Of... Yeah, yeah, that's um. So, what that really is, is Outcast. actually. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess the aesthetic is, like, sort of probably that, like, Beastie Boys DNA that's just in us. Mm-hmm. But um, there ain't no such thing as strumping for nothing is directly a reference to the Rosa Parks song by Outcast, where it's like... Uh, everybody move to the back of the bus. Do you want to bump and strump with us? And I'm like, what the fuck is strump? <laughs> you know, I don't even know. I've never heard that word before. I'm not looking it up, but I'm going to put it in this song. Um, <laughs> I still to this day have no idea what strumping means. Um, so, but yeah, that's yeah, I, your your uh, bloodhound like nose was right in that it is definitely hip hop adjacent, but it was this was intended as an outcast kind of thing it's a very very cool drop um and the fucking like devil's take a name 
when the last curtain falls. Did you you steal that? You come up with that shit? That's yeah, that's my line. I just wrote that. It's a good one. <laughs> Thanks, man. You know, I one. think there's probably no better compliment than who wrote this for real. <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> even saying that to be a dick. I, I, uh-huh. I sincerely mean that. It's like if that sounds like it could be like a, a thing, boom. It is now, bitches. How about that? Yo. <laughs> Just talking about like how many parts are in this song. Fucking the way it goes straight into that call and response. And then when you pull that call and response back later, um, at the end of the song, it's just like, you know, it's a fucking chorus in and of itself. Just no yeah, wasted you're ta- space. You're referring, to, you're referring to the outro, the dry your eyes, dry them eyes. Well, um, no, it's, it's um, where are you? Where are you? Uh, what are you doing? Oh, tonight? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, no, th- this, this was the sort of the theme of this record as we will very much get to in all the rest of these songs um, is like everything was supposed to be something, you know, mm-hmm. there's not supposed to be wasted space. It's supposed to be like, you're supposed to sing every word that that's, we, we, we sang the entire record together, you know, that that's like intentionality from the drop is like, we sing everything together everybody sings all of these songs together you know like so yeah so not, the verse not the harmonics to be like, cool. that, that wasn't that that was nice you gotta though. draw that you gotta draw the line there <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that second chorus though is like kind of a moment that i was referring to last week where you when you get back into that chorus it's like oh okay well we're not gonna do this the same way so just having those oh's over it, it's such a cool effect. Um, really, like, can't, like, put my finger on, like, what it is about that. But there's something that's, like, very disarming about the way those come in. They're, they're very, like, uh... <laughs> it's almost like a queen kind of thing where you're like, oh, I didn't realize there was like a full like opera choir mm-hmm. waiting to sing a thing here. I mean, it's obviously not of that level of bombast, but like, you know, when all those O's come in, it's like, cause they're very sincere O's. They're not like, uh, you know, with no disrespect to like fucking Pennywise or whatever. It doesn't have that like gang vocal echo kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. It's like, sounds like, it sounds like three guys going, Oh, 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 you know, <laughs> like it, it's just like it's just the sound of O's, you know, and it, 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 it's just a little bit unusual to treat that part that way um, in the mix. And um, I would love to say that we wanted to make it intentionally like that, but I think it just sounded cool. And we're like, no, I don't fuck with that. It's great. Yeah. Who did those O's? Me and Chris and Neil. <laughs> um, to uh, to just address uh, some confusion that's out there. Chris is the one who sings "Devils Taking Names" when the last curtain calls. Last, when curtain, the last falls. curtain falls. Yeah, 
Yes, that is Chris singing that. I sing the other lines. I sing, gonna zip on my party suit and show y'all something. Ain't no such thing as trumpet for nothing. You can fly with us or hang on to the walls. And Chris says, mm-hmm. but the devil's taking names in the last curtain. I've had debates. People are like, no, 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 it's Neil. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's Chris. No, no, because everybody thinks that, see, because back in the day, people didn't know that I was the, that that clean voice was me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people thought that, like, in, like, for example, another boring story at the end, that that was Chris singing, mm-hmm. just, like, weirdly, you know? So when it's, like, they hear the voice that they're like, oh, that's Chris singing now. Right. And then another voice comes in. It's just, like, what what makes sense? It has to be Neil, you know? But it's it's really just that I'm, like, doing a very limited skill version of a Mike Patton kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Resting in many different ways. Uh, <laughs> um, I was just like listening to this last night and it, it's one of the things that I really miss about uh, going to shows right now is just being in a crowd where you have moments where like every time I've seen your band play this song, it's like, you got part of the crowd that's singing along with you, and then the other crowd takes those O's. And it's just a yeah. nice, like, fucking community. This, this song mm-hmm. is such a fun live song. I mean, it's like once we get to that breakdown, uh, once it's going to zip on the party suit, mm-hmm. it's like we basically don't have to sing at all anymore. Yeah. It's, it's like it just, like, kind of, it's like it's like getting on a water slide at that point. It's just like. Napoleon. No, mm-hmm. Waterloo. Uh, Patreon.com slash better sandwich. Um, I mean, when you get to when you get to laughing and crying are almost the same. And and I love our listeners so much that um, we can bypass the um, root words of uh, human and humor. But like there's so much dualism on this whole song. And I and that line of yours it's just so profound in the context of uh of what the song is um and it just serves as like this yeah i guess it's not even like uh i don't want to call it nihilism but it is like a it's kind of like let's have fun we're gonna have fun yeah i mean i think the 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 thing that i um was sort of going for a little bit has everything to do with that sort of like judgy I never tried that but I know I don't like it Mm -hmm. or maybe I do but I'm too weak to try it which is like the the quiet part you say that Mm -hmm. part quiet right yeah yeah um and then at the end it's like yo it's your fucking problem laughing and crying are almost exactly the same thing so you can mm-hmm. cry about this or you can laugh about it. Like, like it's, I think that there is maybe like a humanism that goes into that. I think it's more like, you know, the last line is dry your eyes. Cause everyone else went back inside. It's like, shut up. Quit your crying out here. Uh-huh. You know, like, like you being outraged at this is exactly the same as me loving this. Yeah. The only, the only difference is who's watching you. You know, mm-hmm. like because it, like it, it doesn't matter. Like, like it, like say 
to use just like a wild example, I've never done this, but say I'm like outside shooting bottle rockets out of my ass, you know, and then somebody comes out and is like, what are you doing? It's like I'm shooting bottle rockets out of my ass. And then they're outraged about it. And then everybody else goes inside. It's like, are they going to stand there and still be outraged about it? No. (laughs) It's a performative act of, like, fucking shitty, like, I I don't like your good time. You know? And which, I mean, to be fair, it doesn't sound like very much of a good time to me. But sort of why I use the example. But (laughs) but you get the idea. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like... And I mean, I think there's a greater truth, which is that laughing and crying are almost the same, just in the same way love and hate are like mm-hmm. almost identical emotions, you know? But in this particular case, it's got a real shut up kind of like, uh, at least from my perspective. Were you, were you, thinking of, were you thinking of like anything, anyone in particular, like with it, or was it just um, what this composition was after um no i think i think once i got to you know maybe i do but i'm too weak to fight it so dry your eyes everyone went back inside is the next line right and Mm -hmm. i think that flows very naturally from that it's like hey calm down and then this just popped out from that yeah it's it, you, you know every, everything's a fucking writing exercise to him they all just lead to the next thing um you're you're very logical you're very logical in your thinking i know that you're humble about this part of your self but you're also you're a very smart person um and so i like that's there's like a logic that's i think applied to emotion here that is it's just a really interesting like um balance i think that um you know i would love to be more logical but i am a i'm an emotional baby (laughs) so i mean don't we all feel that way though? I mean, I think everybody's just as like, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, if you could walk around in my head, you'd lose your mind." And it's like everybody's head. Can't, I mean, maybe everybody's head is full of like fucking disgusting zombies and shit. But like, you know, um, at the same time, it's like, you know, I feel like a emotional basket case myself. As logical as I may seem, and I mean, it's like it's very easy for me to sit here. And um, purport um, that I've employed logical thought processes in order to create this sort of like uh, quote unquote poetry from a record that's almost twenty years old now. But mm-hmm. you, you know what you know what I mean. And it's like and I'm not saying I'm being disingenuous um, in what my intentionality was, but what I'm saying is. Like, everybody employs logic, and then everybody also has this, like, fucking wacky, irrational, like, screaming baby immediately underneath that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and I think, I think that's, that's just 
humanity, right? You know, mm-hmm. so. I had this like yeah. I had this funny realization. Uh, we had uh, we had a conversation uh, not too long ago, and um, and I walked away from it, and I realized that you do you you do this thing that I think is like um, I'm trying to employ it more in my life too, where um, when you see a a dilemma, you you have this way of just saying like. Yes. Like, I present, like, oh, I want to do this, but there's also, like, this part, which, like, might not uh, vibe, it might not work, and you just kind of say, yes. And it's just, like, it's, like, you, <laughs> you see it, you see it as as that, and there's not going to be a way to compromise it. You're not going to, like, find a way to, like, make it work uh, because of this factor that like is not going to budge and you can't undo it so it's just like yes moving on and i find that like right yeah (laughs) you know what i'm referring to well i mean i don't know about the specific conversation that you're talking about to be honest but i do know that like if you want to do something and there's something impossible standing in the way of you doing it you just kind of have to try to do it anyway, <laughs> a little bit, or uh-huh. or just be like, oh, that's impossible. I mean, like you know, there's like a there's a certain level at which it's like, you know, I feel just, yeah, just one one man. I feel like uh, well, I feel, first of all, I feel like one one little boy, but um, no, it's it's um, you know, I think uh, I think people get. People have a lot of instances in their lives. I have so many in mine where it's just like, oh, if only this were different. And I don't know. I think it's like a good, uh, it's a good thought exercise to just like kind of evaluate it for what it is and then try to move on, not hang, not get hung up on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. It's like, um, it's like getting a shitty tattoo, really. You know, people are like, I could never get a tattoo because I never know what I want. I'm like, just get a terrible one, and then you'll realize that none of it matters. Uh, and then you can get as many fucking tattoos as you want. Because, like, once you've got a shitty one on you, you'll be like, mm, who cares? It's all over now. <laughs> kind of like that time I got ugly as ugly tattooed on my right bicep, and I was waiting tables. And I uh, I recited a, a couple of Lawrence Arms lyrics to a lot of fucking uh, families for... About two months before I got that shit covered up. I'm like, I don't even want to hear oh, this yeah. song anymore. No offense. <laughs> it's not your fault. No. No, Frank, frankly, uh, we've already done this episode, that episode, so you don't have to hear it anymore. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, Cut it up. Which, like, it's such a good mm. fucking transition from Devil's Taking Names to Cut It Up. Um and I love it. There are so many uh, instances on this record where Neil is just given space for a really good, mm-hmm. solid drum beat that's got like a, a good bounce to it. He's got like a lot of personality in the way that he plays on this record. Yeah, I, this, I mean, this song is particularly suited, I think, for pretty bombastic drum situation. And, um, he he fucking comes with it. It's a 
I like this one a lot. I was under the impression that this would be the single off this record. Um, and uh, I had a video treatment for this that was going to be fucking awesome, uh, which was... It's going to be like The Warriors, the movie The uh-huh. Warriors, where all the gangs, yeah. but it was going to be us three would be all of them, like coming from different places to converge, uh-huh. you know, and that, and, and then like, so you can probably realistically in like the two minutes and 15 seconds of song is or whatever, <laughs> 32 seconds, whatever, you could probably get like three gangs in there walking like down the streets. And then, like, each of us would, like, split off from our gangs. And then at the end, it would be, like, the three of us each in a different gang thing. And then we'd do, like, a hilarious, like, choreographed, like, thriller kind of, like, dance fight (laughs) situation. Um, And then they picked a different song for the single. And uh, so we didn't get to do that. But it would have been great. It's so funny that... um... Yeah, it, it's really funny that they chose Devil's Taking Names for the single. And you and you did yeah, a video um, for it. Yep, we did. We did. And uh, I actually really liked that video as well. Um, did you do that treatment? I did. I wrote that treatment as well. Um, and, I mean, my favorite part of that video is just the the businessmen standing out with the bum in front of the burning the fire drum fucking doing the o's like super drunkenly <laughs> um yeah there's not a lot of like real coherent storytelling going on in that one it was just more supposed to be interesting um but i mean ultimately the idea of that one is like a, it's like a fight club kind of thing where like you know rich guys play dress up with some bum and get to like fuck around with them for a while and then they mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like play bum for an afternoon it's a very it's a fun <laughs> video um even yeah, if it's like not it. like super high conceptual you, you you are always very good in your videos because you're very expressive and uh i watched it a couple times last night and it's like you just i don't know there have you did you do anything like like did you do any acting? Did you do anything like in the, in uh, in school? Um, mm, I did. Well, I mean, or do you just know that you're handsome? Once. Is that what it is? That's what you it got is. Good eyebrows. No, I took an improv class. <laughs> That's right. The eyebrows—they they really carry the face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I took uh, I took an improv class and then I, I did I did do a movie. I mean I've done like a little bit of like some like small acting stuff, but I have no formal training whatsoever besides um, talking to people and being like, "How do you do this?" And basically they all are like, "Just don't stop breathing." People that can't act hold their breath until their lines. Um, if you don't hold your breath until you speak, you're going to be a, a better actor than ninety percent of everybody. And don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like nobody actually is surprised and like bangs their hand against their forehead and goes, what? You know, yeah. people go, what? And that's it. You know? So it's like, whatever you're doing, understate it. Keep breathing. There you go. Now you know as much about acting as I do. <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, so cut it up. Um, it's not the single. It's okay. It's all right. 
Um, oh. <laughs> this this song, um, you know what what for in particular inspired this song? Um, there's a day of particular hangover where Marcus and I, Marcus Kretzmann. Oh, of course. The uh, Italian poet from the 15th century. Yeah, that's right. We were driving down Ashland Avenue and we ended up at this place. It's no longer there. It was on the corner of Grace and Ashland mm. in Chicago. And it was called, what the fuck was it called? The Islands. And it was a tropical themed bar like you'd walk in everybody the dudes were all wearing hawaiian shirts and they'd be like can we see your passport please which was like the code for your id and they had this like fucking island songs on a fucking loop there was like kokomo and uh you know island in the sun by weezer and like shit of that nature you know no woman no cry Mm -hmm. and then the bartenders were all chicks in bikinis and we were like very hungover, and we we're like, "What the fuck is that place?" And we went in there, and we were like, "Okay, so seriously, what the fuck is this place? Like, what, what in the world is going on in here?" And uh, and it was just such a dark, low moment of like kind of being in there, and like we we're just like hanging out, we're trying to like drink ourselves back to normal, uh-huh. and just like, oh my god. Like what? And, and and everybody in there was just like so obviously coked up beyond their fucking uh-huh. <laughs> like the wildest imagination. You know, it's like I don't know, like one o'clock on a Sunday or whatever. And and I was just like, "Ooh, this is a very very dark dark scene here, mm-hmm. man." With this like fucking guy with the mustache. No offense to other fellow mustachers out there, um, but this older guy with the mustache, candy, and being like, car. "Come on, baby, you mean you mean can I see your passport?" You know, to like these chicks in bikinis, and it was like, ugh, it was like all the gross, like sort of power dynamics of a titty bar, but like in with all the gross power dynamics of like a Applebee's, also. Oh, like the uh, tilted kilt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah, but. But it was a little more rogue. It didn't have that like corporate sheen to it. This felt more like your fucking your uncle operating out of his like a titty bar out of his garage mm-hmm. or something. You know, it, it was so. Um, so yeah, that is long and short the inspiration for this song, which basically is to me. About a lot of things, but it's it's really about stock taking, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, like that's if, if I'm if I if I'm looking at this song and trying to give it the most like paint it with the most broad strokes, mm-hmm. it's about stock taking. And um, yeah, you ended up in the same place that they did. Hey, man, I, I, I there's a perverse part of me that loved the islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like. Because it was so gross and dark, and I was like, oh, like, you're not happy, nobody here's happy, I'm not happy, and there's something, like, 
It's like it's like we were talking about like like bombing on stage for a comedian mm-hmm. or something. It's just like there's something to revel in here. It's just like so like dark that it's kind of interesting. And I mean, I don't know. That's that's about that's about it as far. I mean, but that's more than you were expecting, Tim. Me and my <laughs> friends got really into going to TGI Fridays for a good couple of years. That was a that was a great time. Great time in our lives. Yeah, TGI Fridays is um. I think I just read this article about TGI Fridays was the first bar that really allowed women, um, uh, in America in Times Square, um, and created like a whole fucking huge scene. It was like on the cover of like People magazine mm-hmm. and shit for being like the first place that was like inviting to women where you could go drink. It was like invented the singles scene. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've listened to podcasts about that too. It's also like uh, I think Big Stars uh, Radio City. There's a a photo on the back where they're at Fridays, and the Fridays in Memphis was like like a legit place where all the uh, all the like dope artistic people, uh, dope artistic white people in Memphis hung out. Yeah, well, I mean. Hey, thank God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's funny, like, um, you know, reading this song, I'm thinking about, like, the couple years that you have preceding, and it's like, aha, this is, uh, this is like what it's like to be on tour with a band like uh, any of those uh Warp tour bands that we talked about last week, where it's just that cocaine like backstage, uh, sort of Tommy Lee lifestyle. Yeah, well, no, this is this is from a much darker place. And uh, <laughs> to be fair, I don't really recall any of those bands being like partiers at mm-hmm. all. Um, like, not even like big, well, I mean, some of them would get too drunk and be hilarious, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know. For the most part, those bands were all, like, kind of kids. And, like, some of them were, like, all the emo guys were coming out of straight edge, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, it it really wasn't that kind of scene. No, this was this was uniquely birthed in me and Marcus staggering into a very dark part of the world. Um, and, uh, and, yeah. I think... I think yeah. that it takes on like a a meaning, especially in the bridge, you know, uh, thank you for coming. Thanks for the love. Just like really reminded me of getting on stage uh, and playing, playing on with the show four times in a row. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think that the intentionality behind that was more of like a, uh, the last line of like your, if you wrote the program to your own, own funeral, Mm-hmm. You know, um, like just sort of like, yep, peace. I'm gone. Thanks for coming. Thanks for the love. You know, uh-huh. um, and uh, yeah, that was. I mean, you know, again, my intentionality means nothing, but that's that's sort of what I was thinking. It should be mentioned that that part that I was talking about, where we detuned and then tuned up, is um. in cut it up right before. When the ship don't sinks. Mm-hmm. And um, it should also be mentioned that the like from that point to the end of this song is one of my favorite pieces of music I've ever written. 
Uh, yeah. Um, I just feel like the the sort of the jerkiness of the first part of it um, really gives way to the melody mm-hmm. of the end. And it makes kind of like bloom in a way that um, – and it's really got that like 15 – triumphant thing that like we loved so much as kids this is one of the the parts that i feel like really nailed it from my Mm -hmm. perspective um on this record like what i was thinking when we were talking about this it was like this that like this this part really like uh kind of encapsulates that pretty well i think it's actually done a little better a couple songs on but yeah there's a there's a lot of moments on this record that yeah really fit like that description. I like that that's um that that's from fifteen. Well, it's the the spirit of fifteen. I mean, like the way we sing that, it's like we have voices that we've trained to. Uh, control and hit notes in a way that's a lot more, I don't want to say sophisticated, but Jeff Ott didn't mm-hmm. do that in 15. Like, and I, I don't say that as a diss. I loved those 15 records, but I mean, he would just be like, oh, oh, you know, and it didn't really like fucking mm-hmm. matter. He, you, you knew what he was going for. And that was like sort of the thing. It was almost like he was like, like Jackson Pollock yeah. or something. Yeah. You know, where he's like, you you, you get the idea mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. right? And then you fill in the blanks. It's almost in it's almost like a new hope. Like Star Wars when all of a sudden like Ben Kenobi's like, Obi Wan, I haven't heard that name in a long time and you're like, What, what does that mean? What does that mean? What what what, what is yeah. that all about? And he's like, Oh, not since the Clone Wars and you're like, What are the Clone Wars? You know, and then you have to fill it all in. Jeff Ott kinda did that in fifteen with like these like with his kind of bad voice mm-hmm. and out of tune melodies, he made you like fill it in a little bit and it became this like because he was just he provided the raw emotion yeah. fuel. Totally. You know? And so it's like when we hit that part and it's like when the ship dot sinks. I mean that's just one step off of like when the ship dot sinks. <laughs> you know, like that 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 kind of thing. You know, and, uh, and, um, yeah, and that was, I mean, there's parts in all these fucking songs that are especially like coming up right now in the mm-hmm. next few that, that, that are, that are like that, but you know, there's that like wild, like throw your, fist at, <laughs> throw your fist in the air outro yeah. kind of thing. That's very, that's very, that's very 15 inspired. Um, sure. I just hit the uh, lights in my uh, show must go on. He's bleeding wondering. from his knuckles. Uh, there's blood everywhere, but he does it. He does it because he loves hanging out with me. Uh, that's right. <laughs> he's got nothing to do with it. These people. Um, I, I, yeah, that's. It's it's fucking cool um because 
thinking about it in terms of like the way Jeff Ott's doing it. It's like he's giving you the template. And like now you're like, okay, cool. Like we have the fucking tools. We got the talent. Like let's go. Let's hit it. Let's make it sound so big. And it's like, it's not even that it sounds like perfect and like punched in. It's just like raw and fucking flowing with the right emotion. And it sounds fucking great. Yeah, well, I mean, thank you. And it, I mean, the, the other thing is, it's like there's a nuanced delivery to the vocal, which he doesn't mm-hmm. do. And and again, that's not an insult, but he doesn't do a nuanced vocal delivery. Yeah. You know, um, he like screams himself hoarse. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and and then and we also hit the notes, which is another thing that he doesn't do. Um, which uh, again is not an insult. I mean, I know it's hard. It's hard to. It's, it's, it always sounds like a knock. We're talking hard. about someone's like imperfection, but it's like it's imperfect because he's human and he's giving you his humanness. Yeah, and and it's also like it's really hard to explain if you didn't like kind of grow up in that era of like punk rock, I think. And not to be like an old man and be like, "Oh, back in my day, that's not my intent at all." But it's like that wasn't the point mm-hmm. at yeah. all of that shit. Like the nuance was totally because so when the Laura Trump started, we're building off of these sort of kinds of like these like, these Gilman Street punk mm-hmm. bands, right? Um, or wh- whoever they were building from a place of what like tearing down you know, blue oyster cult or right. something like that. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to scream and yell and it's going to be out of tune and it's going to have more emotion than your fucking song mm-hmm. ever could, you know? And so it was like that, that was part of the artistry mm-hmm. of it. And, and like, so in order to revive that, we had to sort of recapitulate it in a way that was made sense to, who we were as uh, musicians and like what, what, what just the time, you know what yeah. I mean? Because like we are building, we're building off these bands. It's not like we're going to start a fucking band. That's going to compete with bad mm-hmm. brains. It's like, we could take <laughs> what bad brains has done and do like our take on it, you know, but it's like, we, we don't live in 1982. Uh, so it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. And also like, 2006 is not like there's not like a parallel it's like 15 did that like in reaction to something in particular and you're doing something that is just out of adoration and i think Mm -hmm. that um i think that what you're doing is you're you're taking the cues from the ones that matter to you and those bands like 15 like don't really make it like to the modern day for a lot of kids who are like getting into punk rock and they certainly don't make it into um kids who are like finding like punk music through bands like afi or you know what i mean certainly certainly not and you know this is a good time to point out i guess that 15 is a hard listen 
if if like you've never if you didn't grow up with it, it's a hard listen. You you might enjoy it, but uh, it's very likely you would listen to it and be like, "What the fuck is this?" And it's I think sort of a little bit by design, but it was very influential to us. And I can't stress this enough. There's like five great albums at the beginning, and then they start to get a little weird. And um, I'm not talking about that stuff. Um, like anything after Surprise, I'm out. I don't know. I think Buzz is the best one. Surprise is really good. Extra Medium Kickball Star is good. The uh, what that Landmine Seven Inch? What's that called? No Place Like Home. Good Night is great. And the first two, Choice of a New Generation, and uh, Extra Medium Kickball Star is good. And then uh, the first one. What the fuck is it called? Swain's first bike ride. If you're listening to anything else by 15, that's not one of the ones I just said. Uh, I I can't help you. I don't know anything about that shit. I've tried many times. And it's just, um, yeah, it's like, it's a sonic commitment, I think. But I think it's something that, like, it translates to, like, fuck, I... I remember when I was a freshman in college, um, sort of like just picking CDs from uh, from my dad's collection because I'm getting into punk music. Oh, Husker Du. I know that that's a cool band. Uh, put on Zen Arcade. Sounds like shit. Like, Zen Arcade by Husker Du does not sound good to a person who has just been listening to the Alkaline Trio. You, you hear those sure. guitars and it's like, what? The vocals. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it really is a, a kind of a time and a place thing for a lot of that stuff. But and also, I think you've got to be like pretty young and idealistic to really want to listen to Fifteen and like really get out of it what they're putting into it. And I don't know how. I mean, are you listener? Are you Fifteen out there? I don't think you are. I think you're thirty seven, uh-huh. and you know you work at Payless or whatever. But. Uh, <laughs> Um, which is fucking good on you for having a job. But, uh, the, the truth of the matter is it, this shit's not for everybody and it's, but it was very important to us. Yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a cool, um, it's a cool way you kind of like flip that script because, you know, I think punk rock in its essence is just like, fuck everything that these people are doing we need three chords like fuck these guys we don't need to sing good and you're a band that at this point you sing good you play good and let's like let's take that like let that like you know back to basics is like such a trite phrase but it is that very elemental you know folk music if you will yeah yeah it's a little like training at altitude kind of thing it's like we learn to play, we learn to sing, we learn to be thoughtful about our songs and our records, and then we were like, let's do like that 15 Naked Ray Gun shit, but let's like totally fucking sing in tune and stuff, mm-hmm. and it'll be a whole different ball, ball game, you know? Um, Great Lakes, Great Escapes, I love the way that this song starts out sounds like chris is singing in a hallway yeah this was uh i think he like 
played it and then like yelled it into. I mean, he was in the lot. I don't know how he did this. I can't remember, but we definitely had the idea to do it so it would be like mm-hmm. it is, like very lo-fi at the beginning. So it would just like bust in with such bombast. Um, this is the one I believe I've said to you when he sent me this demo. I was like, ah, fuck, my songs have got to be at least this good now. This uh, and you know, did I fucking live up to that? Probably not. But like, uh, <laughs> like it. It, this was really one that, for me, set the tone of like what kind of level of quality we were going to have to bring mm-hmm. to this uh, this record, you know. And so, I hold the song in extremely high regard. Uh, I think I said last week. I think it might be the like ultimate manifestation of what this yeah. record is. Um, I don't like. I think the beating heart and soul of this record is Margaret. I think that the mission statement is key to the city, but this is the, what it is. Yeah. You know, like if, if, if you're going to pick a, I don't know, if you're going to pick a song and be like, these are the category, like the characteristics of this record, this one hits them all. And, um, and it's fucking, doesn't hurt that he fucking killed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially just like, I don't know. He, I think he puts it in terms that really are so well suited for this record because it's like, and in the end we'll burn in history. I mean, that's kind of a bold statement, you know, like to, like come out and say something like that like and that's what this record is see okay so then we misinterpret or we interpret that line very differently because to me in the end will burn in history means like nobody's going to remember us at all we're going to burn in this fucking history and so want to make out a little yeah. like that's kind of, kind of like the way yeah, I totally. see it you know I see that um you know I mean it's uh dressed to kill for oblivion just a mm-hmm. fucking v 1.0 um you know um but yeah I mean there's there's a lot of cool things going on and this so um there's a whisper mm-hmm. in the first instrumental mm-hmm. part of this which is um that's also one of my favorite bass lines. Yeah. And also one of my favorite guitar lines that Chris does mm-hmm. also all at that point and then it's me whispering and I say we're one and the same. Yeah, you and me. <laughs> um which is from a no means no uh-huh. song called called Brother Rat and um it's not the only reference to that song on this record. Uh, that song is unfucking believable. It is just a bass drum, and then them not really singing so much as like bellowing words uh, back and forth, and then eventually it kind of morphs into another song with a bass line in it, and the whole thing. That song's got a different name. I don't remember what the name of that one is. Slade says, what Slade says, 
Brother Rat into what Slade says. Uh, you have to listen mm-hmm. to it as one piece, but, but yeah, that is uh, that is one of the first on this record, like very overt homages. Yeah. We want we want the same. <laughs> yeah, you and me. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's some. Uh, Heard the devil call me by my name, sort of shit. I I love the way that this fucking starts with the like and and Margaret or not Margaret um recover does this too where they both start out a little bit slower or you know this one's a little bit more lo-fi and it's like the fucking pairing of Devil's Taking Names and Cut It Up those two feel like one song which that's I think like one of the more triumphant aspects of uh of the end of cut it up is that it feels so attached to um devil's taking names that it's like you get still some of that energy that goes into that like last part and that triumph and that's cool the like even just the short like lo-fi open to this it's like almost like putting into practice that idea of you know like okay you you got your first two songs but third song you gotta like chill it out it's like yeah cool we're we're gonna like we're gonna chill things out here for you know 12 seconds and then just fucking come. and then it's just a it just comes in it's just that that whole thing it's like the same thing that happens in the beginning of devil's taking names almost where it's just like you know like and and it's um yeah this one is i mean what can I say about it? It's like the the lyrics are great. Um, it's really it's also a V one point of um, uh, slowest yeah. drink. You know, like I scratch my name into the table, the knife and phone just fucking lay there is really like a sister lyric to I took the shower. I took a shower just mm-hmm. to pass the time. You know, or hang my towel over the shower rod or whatever the fuck it is. It's like it's like just this like. I almost, and I don't know, and like Chris and I have never talked about it. We have talked in other ways about how John K. Sampson, who we both admire mm. greatly, but how like it, it, like sometimes it's like enough already with like the like here's what's going on, you know? Like it's just like, and I'm sitting here, and the bubbles in my drink are starting to get flat, and my cat's sleeping on the old rug and there's a plate from my dad you know like like kind of like shit like uh like like where it's just like and and i almost feel like this stuff is like kind of taking a piss on that a little bit mm-hmm. um i could see that yeah you, you know like where it's like oh you think you got things to fucking talk about i'm talking about like the knife and the phone here and i'm just like trying to get through a shower actually Oh, did your did your cat look up at you? Mm. You know, like and again, no diss on John Sampson. And again, again, I'm completely projecting here. <laughs> I, I I don't know if that's true at all, but I I like to think about it that way, and I, I'm sure that it does come from a pure place of like malaise, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Like I know that there's a lot of like, you know, sincere malaise that goes into the songs that Chris writes and like, just like in this record, a lot of sincere anger goes into my songs, you know? And, um, 
But there is something to be said for the fact that we talk about that a lot, you know? It's like, it's the ashtray I don't use anymore. <laughs> Sitting over there by the deck of cards that you left the other day when you went to 7-Eleven. You know, like that, that kind of shit. It's just like, all right. How uh, many fucking construction sites do you walk by? Like, really? Well, well that's like the, the old, like, trope from the the old timers where it's like do you really think Vinny from Less Than Jake walks that many train tracks? <laughs> like, cause that is in a lot of songs. Like, is that between, like, his house and his fucking job? Cause, like, he's always on those tracks, man. You know, I think one of um, the cooler parts of uh, our Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich, was learning that Brian Fallon really does play that much pinball. Yeah, yeah. And he really enjoys diners. Um, Brad Fallon's a real one, man. Like, that guy, I've seen him drink, like, 21 cups of coffee in a day. He's he's no joke. Um, but that's, uh, again, that's fucking no diss to John Sampson. That's no diss to Vinny either. It's just like, uh, you know, and I, and I don't know if that's what Chris is, like, kind of making fun of or if it's just, like, the genuine malaise of... Sort of like the that sort of like Kafka esque minimalism that that goes into describing a scene, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's probably more where his head's really at, and I'm projecting like a little bit of hilarity onto the whole thing, but uh, like because yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure Chris would say like that's that's how you describe a room, man. It's like there's a knife and a phone on the table. What do you, what do you need to know? Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> You know, and he's right. He's right. But, uh, yeah, it's a fucking it's just such a cool way that he says that, too. It's like the knife and phone just fucking lay there. It's like that's there's a lot packed into that image, you know? Yeah, you know, actually, you just made me think of something really interesting about this. This record really did something hilarious, which was. I made an effort on this record, and it's not something that you would ever think of or notice, but I wrote this entire record as an exercise. I don't curse once on this record. There are no bad words. And when Chris heard that, he was like, oh, shit. He's like, seriously? No, no cursing at all? And I was like, I was just, try- I was just trying to mm-hmm. see if I could do it. You know? And, and um, I mean, I guess I say hell. Yeah. Right. <laughs> In one right. song. I mean, if you're, you know, if, if your aunt is listening or whatever. Duh. But, uh, and then I think, I'm not sure. I don't think he has cursed in a song since this. You got a swear jar in that practice space? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. I think it's just an exercise. But I think that, like, I think that the fact that, like, uh, I mean, I'm obviously the immature mm-hmm. one of us. And the fact that I came in here with, like, a bunch of songs, I was like, yeah, no, I just, like, cut out the cursing. I just thought that, you know, I would try to do this without saying any bad words. And I think that he was like, 
oh, I thought we were like doing something from when we were fucking teenagers and we were going to fucking swear all the time. I think you might have felt a little like fucking fish hooked by uh-huh. the whole thing. Um, although not right, my intention right. at all. And, and I and I love the way actually that like his like use of language fits into this, but um, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think he's used a, a blue phrase since. I yo that fuck that's so sick, um, especially because like yeah I think it's it's amazing to me that that Chris like. You know, being like the softer voice, um, and especially coming off a of greatest story, like you put this on paper as like, okay, like now the next record is going to be this. It feels like like Chris is almost working at a disadvantage just because he doesn't have like your voice, and I think just your like your sneer your attitude that just like comes out naturally so it's it's like chris utilizes that language really really well and i like you not doing it because it's like like fucking napoleon dynamite you know how funny that movie is not a single curse word in that movie think about a movie that's that funny that doesn't curse at all it's very short list if there is a list yeah no i mean it's uh yeah it's 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 interesting and it was like it wasn't like totally my intention like i wasn't like but i was just like what i want is economy of emotion i want economy of intent i don't need a lot of fuckings Mm -hmm. here and there you know and then, like, I got way far away from that immediately following this. It's like, you know, been there, done that. I, I can go back to, like, sort of singing how I talk or whatever. But it's like, if I had not told you this and I had, like, and not me, but somebody had been like, bet you $10 he doesn't say fuck in Devil's Taken Names. Would you no, take yeah, that? Yeah, right. <laughs> like... It like it sounds like it's full mm-hmm. of swear. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. It's because you you don't. It's you obviously don't like, don't you uh, lose any of the anger, but you do have to like generate it differently. Yeah. But I do remember that when it was, and it wasn't like something we ever spoke about. But it was when we handed it in to Fat, and we had to like mark down all the curse words for like potential radio mm-hmm. edits, I believe was what was happening. And uh, I wrote back and I was like, there's no swearing in any of my songs. And then the response from Chris was like, word. Ah, shit. <laughs> That's like the only conversation we ever had about it or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, it's fun. I mean, again, it's just kind of an exercise and, yeah, but I'm really, I'm really glad that you know the knife and phone just fucking lay there, you know. Yeah, for, for real. Um, I, I, I always, um, I always enjoy listening to uh, a lot of these songs, um, just because you know the songs that Chris writes on 
greatest story are, you know, so, you know, they, they, they pack a lot. And I think that there are some instances where he kind of like refers to, you know, like I used to paint myself with sentiment. It's like, okay, cool. There's like a line that's kind of like that in uh, Revisionist. Um, And yeah, I I think that it's like, it's a cool transition that he takes because it's like, obviously he comes from like such a crazy like word economy that he has on that record. And really this is a i think a good you know time capsule of him like really just getting very very sharp with the words that he uses yeah and i think that that's like um i don't know how to say this um this was a really big learning experience in terms of that for both of us in terms of like uh like the way we're going to use words the way we're going to throw things around and the way that our voices are going to be in like definitively and like you know chris i think had a very distinct voice and point of view before i mean a lot of those songs even back on apathy like Brickwall views is like it's one of like the pinnacles of our our band it wasn't like he had a lot to learn to get mm-hmm. here. You know what I mean? It Like he, he didn't have to like explore like some new chapter of his soul. But what I think the thing was, was that tapping into that like visceral id of what we, the records we wanted mm-hmm. to hear sort of was freeing in terms of being like, you know, like, How's that shit sound? Yeah, how, you know, like how how those people how those people sing? Like what what are the words mm-hmm. like? You know, and it was like, and and that I think was I, I only I only say this to be like I you know it wasn't like there was like a learning mm-hmm. curve here. It's like Chris McCaughan's always been like fucking great with words and everything like that. And this record, if anything, was as helpful to me as it was to him in terms of like sort of like parsing things down to like what are the vibes Mm -hmm. you know like like everything else will come we know how to play our instruments we know how to sing in tune we know how to sing together really well at this point what what are the vibes plug those in and it's off to the races yeah you know yeah because i i it's like um you know, I feel like the like hyper personal nature of uh, of greatest story too. It's it's like, all right, let's let's put that all into just like need a chorus here. Gotta get gotta get some uh, some good uh, quick words here. In the end, we'll burn in history. Fantastic. Yeah. No, I mean, um, and yeah, there is like a. You know, there's a, there's definitely a whole shit ton of like uh, baby shoes never worn going on on this record. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, that's the world's shortest short story. It's by Ernest uh, Hemingway. For sale, baby shoes never worn. Yeah, I covered that ugly is ugly with I mean, a with a bull from a Hemingway book, but I I never said that I read it. 
Sonny's never said that. That's fine. But uh, you know what it's like. It's like uh, you, you read you read Blood Meridian, and then uh, uh, and then skip ahead to No Country for Old Men. Like fucking oh cool. You did everything uh, in in four words for this uh, chapter. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, this uh, this is a cool song. Um, uh, lost, fast, lost again. It's got that fucking wandering vibe, which is like kind of like fucking, you know, like rambling vibe. I mean, that's like sort of mm-hmm. our thing, right? I mean, we always were like the wanderers and the ramblers, and like no time to worry when I'm wandering, or I don't worry when I'm wandering. I, there, there's so many yeah. versions of it. I'm glad he's the one who has to keep track of those. Um, uh, but I know he named this song after, um, like a Yes Michigan, which is a pro Michigan uh, tourism bureau uh, slogan. Which is, I think it's Great Lakes, Great Escapes. I think that's exactly what it was. I. I, I um so a lot of cool yeah. transitions in this song too you know just the it's like every time you enter the chorus you know it starts with like those guitar chords and then by the end you just have neil just like kind of partying his way to that last chorus oh the dap to pop to pop dude i was that was like my stupid idea was that every chorus should like I remember it, I'd be like and then I'll go you know which is hilarious <laughs> and then and then, and then I was like no just do like bah, da, bah, da, bah. like just make it so simple so it's just like so bouncy and pops and I think the both of those guys were like these both of these ideas are so stupid. Like we could do so so many cooler things right here. And I was like, I think the stupid is probably like needed. There's a lot going on here. Um, but I thought I called Tommy Lee a dickhole, so I could be totally wrong about all of this. I mean, if this were like a if this were like a Motley Crue show, there would definitely be like a like a spotlight on a Chris for his his uh, bridge into the chorus, and then. I guess bridge is the wrong word because that's like an actual part of the song. But, you know, your part's coming up. All right. It's Brendan's turn. Do, 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 do. Which is, you yeah. know, we talked to uh, we talk to a lot of cool people over on Patreon.com slash Better Sandwich. But Chris number two, um, mm-hmm. do you happen to, like, take that little bass fill from maybe not Chris number two exactly, but that's definitely a, like early 2000s like little bass thing that you did there you talk about before the yeah. first chorus um um that's um no that's a e chord with like a add nine or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it to like give it that like weird like minor like alice and chains kind of sound um i'm not I don't have like nearly the. I can't look at a at a 
fretboard and like nowhere to go. Like everything I do is like in terms of chords and like figures that I'm already mm. very familiar with. Um, so no, no, there's no stealing from like Chris number two. I, it, I could probably play an anti-flag song on the bass if you gave me like two days of doing nothing but uh-huh. learning it and like had a gun to my head to do it, you know? But like otherwise, uh, not not sure. That, no, I like that we come from a different perspective. Like my my playing is much more rudimentary. Yeah, I uh, I started on the bass. I couldn't play that shit either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I love uh, you know the way this this one kind of with that outro part because um, it's just kind of like it kind of collects all the energy that the song had before in a lot of the same ways as cut it up. Um, you know, building to that to that part. This is like such a nice little victory lap of, you know, we can live with our mistakes and friends are going out tonight. It's just like a lot of like open space. And then I love the like pick up to fuck all this ancient history. Yeah, I think that all my friends are going out tonight is one of my favorite lines on this record. Like it's just like it's just such a. And. After a song that is essentially about sitting around, staring at a table, wondering if, like, you can, like, work up the nerve to love somebody Mm -hmm. or whatever. I mean, that's kind of my take on it. And be like, yeah, but you know what? We'll fucking live with our mistakes. We'll fucking learn from our mistakes and... All my friends are going out yeah. tonight. So, like, fuck everything. Like, like this will be history mm-hmm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know? L- like, I can't sit here just waiting for another day to die. You know? Like, it's like, it's like, yeah, man. Everybody's going out tonight, and, like, we... I, I've, I've been sitting around doing nothing for a long time, and... Tomorrow, this will just be ancient history and fuck that yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Cool. It's pretty cool. I, I yeah, I, I like it. Me too. This is that's like one of those lines that I just, you know, I I feel like uh, I've I've years of my life where if uh, if I'm getting ready for a night, it's, that's one of those things that I'm just singing in my head. Like, yeah, I'm fucking pumped. Go out and see people. Yeah, it's like when I put on my makeup to go out, it's party in the USA. But you know, different strokes for different folks. Um, maybe like my, it's definitely like top two or three just Chicago songs. Full stop. Yeah, I mean it. It, it really. It really does a good job, this one. Um, and, I mean, I say that only as a testament to Chris's songwriting. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I really, I think it's cool. It inspired me to 
like step up to another level. Yeah, to do this, totally. You know? so. Well, we put a uh, put some good time into the first three songs on this fucking record. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't believe it took this long. Honestly, um, yeah, I was about halfway through "Devils Taking Names." I'm like, I don't think we're getting through all this. <laughs> um, but uh, you know what? Good. It gives us less to have to think about for next week. Just get yeah. uh just get excited to talk about fucking Toby Keith. Hey, you know what, man? It's like we're doing half the job and getting our full fee. You know oh. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I do. Cause there's nothing more economical. Than taking your sweet ass time to get done with something. That's the way I. That's the that's way I true. live. That is true. Same. This is our podcast. It's called Road to the Skeleton Coast. Uh, this is a, a very exciting uh, thing that I get to look forward to each week talking about these songs. Um, it's such a pleasure to. To share this time with you, Brendan, I had so much fun. Oh, thanks, buddy. It's a pleasure to me too. Um, this is like one of those records that, like, I think makes uh, people feel a lot of different emotions. Um, but I think it's one that like has constantly uplifted. So, um. Very thankful to have the opportunity to talk with you so in depth about it and to just you know, really unpack this shit and, uh, you know, just do what we do as best friends. That's right. And I mean, like, let's be honest. We all knew that we were all waiting for the Oak Hell Cut episode. So, you know, we might as well give it its full due, right? Um, God damn it. See, we had to wait because we couldn't have done it three months ago because we would have fucking lost our minds doing a seven hour recording session. That's right. It's true. And we had to wait till the Skeleton Coast came out too so you guys could see what all the. Oh, yeah, there was that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Feeling great. Feeling great. Uh, we're looking forward to next week. We got a Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. Go on over there. Uh, we hang out so much, and it's the best time ever. Uh, Skeleton Coast is out now. Buy it. Buy a physical copy of it. Buy a couple physical copies of it to share with your friends and loved ones. Uh, Labor Day is coming up, so stock up on your copies of Skeleton Coast. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you next week with uh you, we we might get through recovering the opposable thumb we'll see what happens yeah we'll see uh, and also um uh send your questions in that you might have uh to uh to patreon if you're a subscriber to better sandwich uh and uh we will try to answer good those call. good on call good we'll see you next week thanks Bubba. bye <laughs> Never that quiet or almost the same Then you show everyone I'm 